Hi, I'm Adrienne. I help people tell the stories they were told not to talk about. Maybe by their own inner critic. Maybe by the world. Either way, I'm here to serve as a kind of story midwife, birthing these beautiful naked narratives and helping them thrive. Telling our own stories and speaking our own truth should be the easiest thing in the world, but it's not. We all get blocked. We all feel censored, stymied, or silenced at times. We struggle to find the right entry point, to articulate the message we want to convey, and to identify the ideal audience to receive it. And that, my friends, is where I come in. I'm a professional brand voice consultant and story coach. I help entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, storytellers, and anyone else who is ready to start living out loud to deliver their authentic voice directly to those who most need to hear it. Are you ready to get authentic? Good, because that's allowed. Welcome to the That's Allowed podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Adrienne McKeon. And today we have April Joy Brand. April, please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm April Joy Brand, and I'm a mom. I'm 45 years old. I'm a wife. I'm a retired Navy chief. I'm a bringer of giggles, happiness, but also truth and light on Facebook. And I believe that my purpose in life is to help others not feel alone and to feel as though they have someone they can connect with, which is why I'm doing this with you. Yeah, exactly. So just to give everyone a little bit of backstory, a little bit of context here, I asked April to come on the podcast because of a story that she shared on Facebook, which was so brave and badass for her to put out there. So uh, I'll just start with my usual first question, which is, uh, what is the story you have not been telling? I have not been telling the story of the sexual harassment, sexual assault, and sexual and rape that I experienced throughout my 22-year naval career. Yeah, it's a big chunk, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like 22 years worth of it. Like, a lot of people seem to think that, um, or they have the misconception that uh, only the junior or younger people in the military get Mm -hmm. this because they're naive or whatever. Um, And because, you know, the older you get, um, you you learn to stand up for yourself or the older you get, your peers are older. So they know better by then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's no longer like child's play or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I want to get that story out that no, it doesn't, it's not just the younger generation that is facing this in the military. What has blocked you from speaking out about this publicly? Oh, golly. There's been so much that has blocked it. Um, Early on in my career, it was my superiors telling me that it was a he said, she said thing. When I did go forward, the one time I came forward, uh, I was told, well, you had been drinking. I had had one beer about five hours before this incident. Wow, wow. Um, And my superior told me, well, you had been drinking and it's his, you know, he's senior to you and he's well-respected and it's, so it's your word against his word. And, you know, we can't really go anywhere with that with you. So, you know, just make better decisions. Wow. Yeah. And then as I went through the career and got, you know, some more rank and some more, um, I don't know, like, like reputation, I guess you could say, because I was a hard charger. I, I busted my ass 
I, I was in a very male dominated community. I was in a community called the CBs in the Navy mm-hmm. and the CBs, they do construction work. And my job was carpentry and masonry. Um, and, but we have many other construction, like think of what it takes to build a house. You have heavy equipment operators to clear the earth. You have electricians, you have plumbers, you have people actually build the house. Like me builders, you know, carpenters, carpenters and masons. We have draftsmen basically, you know, so it's, a very dominated community. When I first came in that community, I was one of the very few females that were in battalions and deployable units. And if you hear something in the background, that's my dog. And every time I'm in here live or doing a Zoom, she gets really thirsty. Oh yeah, naturally. Yeah. I have a cat who like, you know, will ignore me all day long. But when I'm in here recording, like we'll come and scratch on the door inevitably. So Oh yeah, that's, it happens. That's what we're dealing with. So sorry about that. If that's a <laughs> no worries, um, no worries at so all. Being in that male-dominated world, another thing that kept my mouth silent or kept me from sharing or reporting was there was a general climate that, in order to to be a female and to fit in, mm-hmm. you had to basically just like roll with the punches and. You know, if, if somebody complimented your ass or complimented your tits or something like that, oh, they were just, you know, that's just how guys talk. And I want to be one of the guys. And, and if I say, hey, don't talk to me like that. If I stand up for myself and share respect for myself mm-hmm. and say, don't do that. Don't touch my rear end. Don't touch my breasts. Don't talk like that. Don't say these things that you're saying to me. Then you get labeled as that girl. You're a prude or you're Mm -hmm. stuck up or you think you're better than other people or whatever. And this was male and female. Like the males would be like, and then of course, then you became a challenge, a challenge to dominate. Yep. Um, And with the females, if you stood up for yourself, oh, she thinks she's better than us. Mm -hmm. Whatever. She's going to, she's going to be sleeping around soon. You know, it was very dog eat dog, I guess you could say. So there was that. Then the more senior I got, um, I figured, hey, I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to know my job. I'm going to know how to lead. I'm going to take care of my troops. I'm going to be the person that the leaders come to and say, we need this done. And we know you can get it done. And I became that person. Mm-hmm. I became the one, the, the, the squad leader who, if, they're, if they had a problem child, they put them in my squad because of the way that I led, I was able to get to the root of why the problem child was being a a problem and then help that troop excel and succeed and do good things for the battalion, do good things for the unit. And that was through from my E5 to when I was a chief, that's Mm -hmm. what they would do with me. Um, Well, when you start getting into those more senior leadership positions, Due to hard work, knowing your job, and being the go-to, what we call the SME, the subject matter expert, um, then you have a persona you have to put forward. Like nothing really, you're you're unscathed, nothing really bothers you. Mm -hmm. The more senior I got, I also made the mistake of thinking, well, as I get into a higher rank, it's going to be a little bit older people and people that have been around longer and they know better. And they're going to treat me with respect based off of what I've done in the military. I found that to not be true. And even when I got into the chief's mess, married. Okay, so I've, I've been with my husband for 18 years. We've been married for 14. My husband also was a CB. Mm-hmm. He's a heavy equipment operator. 
I'm like, we're married. People know we're a couple. They know that we're a strong couple. We're, we're the, um, we're the brands. Like when we got married and sent our invitations out, people were like, we thought you guys were already married. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, we're, we're finally making it official. Um, but when we got, you know, being married in that community, yeah, some of it started to spill over onto my husband, the things people would say about me and him like a typical bystander, you would hope he would like night and shining up. Don't talk about my wife like that. No, he was in the same environment. And as a male, if he had stood up or said something, oh, oh, don't talk to him. And then you become ostracized. So it's just a trying to fit in, Mm -hmm. didn't speak up. Seeing other women that had come forward and them get completely blackballed. Absolutely. the women were being removed from the command. One day they're there, the next day they're gone. But the, the perpetrator or the person that was accused of some sort of sexual misconduct got to stay in the command in their job and run their mouth about the girl, about the female, the woman that was removed and sent yeah. oftentimes to another state. Yeah. No, no support. I'm like, I, I'll be damned if that's happening to me. Fuck you. You know, yeah. so... Then once I got into the chief's mess, the reason I didn't say anything publicly or file reports was I didn't want the chief's mess to look bad because we're taught, hey, don't make the chief's mess look bad. One, one voice, what, you know, one mess, one voice. What happens in the mess stays in the mess. In the Navy, what they call the chiefs, senior chiefs and master chiefs, which, which are the top enlisted in the, in the, the Navy. It's called the mess, capital M mess, but a lot of times it's a little lowercase m mess. Um, but you know, that's what it's called, the chief's mess. So it was, oh, I can't make the chief's mess look bad. I can't make my brothers and sisters look bad. And it, it's, a, it's a mindset that you get the longer you're in the military of, you, know, you don't want to rock the boat, no pun intended, even though I never went on a ship. Um, <laughs> so then it, it was that. And it's taken me three years. I retired in 2017. It's taken me three years and the hashtag I am Vanessa Gillen. I don't know how to say her last name. I am Mm. Vanessa Gillen hashtag movement for me to open my mouth and start shedding some of those things that were in my talk about it, April. They need to know, let people know your brothers and sisters that you served with that, that treated you with respect that you never discussed it with. They need to know. So there's long yeah. story of why I didn't come forward. Yeah. So I just want to point out there to everyone listening, it was someone else speaking out that made you decide it was time to speak out. It was the death of a service member. Yeah. And the army did not, she was missing for two months. Mm. Let me give you an example of something. Um, yeah. Right after 9-11 happened, I was in, I'm going to say, Nickname Rotten Groton, Connecticut. I was in Groton, Connecticut on a debt on the sub base. And right after the towers were hit, they had locked the base down because it's a sub base, a submarine base. Yeah. And we were put on watches where we, it was two person integrity and you had to walk around with your loaded weapon and protect the, the, um, the fence that went around the base. Yeah. You had to do turnover out there. In other words, you had to take your rounds, count your rounds, 
turn them over, you put them back in the thing, turn them over to the next person or, you know, coupler or whatever you want to call them, you know, the next set of watch standers in the dark. We lost one M16 round, one 5.56 millimeter ball round, one. Mm -hmm. Everything was shut down and everyone was called out to look through the grass for this one fucking bullet. Wow. One. But we lose a service member and it took them two months, two months to try to find this female service member who had been being sexually harassed by her work center supervisor. Come on now. Yeah. So a bullet, a, a human's more expendable than a bullet. That's sick. Very sick. So that's why I came out. It was yeah. that. So she couldn't speak for herself. And so now right. you have to speak for her. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm speaking for not just her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I said I wasn't going to yeah. cry. Yeah, well, that, that, um, that was, that was silly. <laughs> um, I'm speaking for all of my troops that I never pulled aside and said, Hey, I've been there. Yeah. I've experienced this. I'm speaking for all the troops currently serving who are still going through it. Yeah. I'm speaking for everyone who feels as though they've had their voice taken away from them. And, yeah. and I'm doing it now. I should have done it then. So I have two questions for you. I'll start with the first one. What do you want to say to those women who are currently experiencing this right now? What do you want to say to them? Mm. I know what you're going through. You shouldn't have to be strong, but you're being forced to be strong. And I know you are strong. You have other sisters that have experienced the same. You have leadership, female leaders that have experienced the same and many continue to experience it. Please find that female leader or that female friend and confide in them and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Let them know. You don't have to give them names if you don't want to, but please let them know. A lot harder said than done. Now, what I want to say to the one, to those that haven't been, but can be that support structure yeah. Mm -hmm. for these victims come together in force and in unity and support of your sister. If you hear someone talking shit, shut that shit down. File a report against them. Let your balls drop. Stand up and do exactly what you're pay being paid to do, which is take care of your troops. Take care of each other. The, the military is very different than the civilian community. Very different. Um, it's much like, like a, a, a sports team mm -hmm. where everybody comes together. You may have people that don't really like each other, but they all come together with the same common goal. We're not doing that. We're ignoring a plague that is in our military. So if you're one of the, if you're a man, and, and you hear your brothers 
talking about passing the list around of who's got the best ass and who's got the best tits and who's got the best this and, and who probably is the freakiest in bed. Shut that shit down. Yeah. Shut it down. If you hear a, a brother talking shit about a female, shut that shit down. 99% of what was said about me when I was in the military was a rumor. I was very open and honest. If someone came to me and said, hey, I heard you fuck blah, blah, blah. I'd go, if I did, I was like, yeah, and who'd you fuck last weekend? Right. You know? But if they came to me and said, I heard you fuck blah, 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 I'd be like, no, who told you that? Oh, well, blah, blah, no, who, who told you? And I would go, this is how I handled it. I would go to the person. Mm -hmm. I went to my rapist and confronted him. And then I tried to make him my boyfriend because then I wouldn't feel so bad. Mm. <sighs> yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, you know? Uh, okay, I hope that answered the question. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. this is one more thing I'd like to say yes. to the victims. Mm -hmm. You can find me on Facebook. I'm the mm -hmm. only April Joy brand. You find me and you send me a message. And I will be here for you, sister. I will be here for you. Beautiful. Okay. Now, my second question is, what, if you were in charge, how would you change things? What would, would you do to the systems and the structures that support this kind of behavior? First thing I would do is make the punishment stronger. Hmm. Just, just make it stronger. There, there, okay, just to give you an example, and there is a report that was, it's a public um, access type report on sexual assault, sexual harassment, and equal opportunity type things in, in the Navy. In fiscal year 2019, our, there was a rise, a 10% rise in sexual assault and sexual harassment. So basically reports being filed, whether they were restricted, meaning no names are involved, or unrestricted, meaning names are involved and people are supposed to be, you know, go to court martial or whatever. Right. It was something like over 6,000 reports in one year. Wow. Over 6,000. Less than 200 were convicted. Yeah. And people ask, why don't they come forward? Well, because you're not doing anything. So the first thing I would do is say, hey, zero tolerance. If you were found guilty of sexual, uh, or sexual assault or rape, you're out of the damn Navy. You're leaving the Navy with uh, um, a, a dishonorable discharge, not other than honorable, dishonorable discharge. And you have to register as a sex offender on the National Sex Offender Registry, because that's not a requirement unless you go to court martial mm. and get, serve time in the brig. Um, I would make it a two or three strikes you're out on sexual harassment. And the reason I'm saying two or three strikes is because some people are brought up in environments where it's the norm for them to hear their father say to their mom or a woman in the neighborhood or whatever, hey, nice ass, You're short. you look great in them shorts, your legs go up to your ears, you know, stuff like, it's normal for them to hear that. So they don't see it as something that could be taken offensively. They see it as flirting. They don't realize right. that what they're saying is actually disrespectful and offensive. Mm -hmm. um, they've heard other 
men talk to their mothers like that and their dad not stand up for them. They're like, yep, my wife was taught, you know? Um, so that's why I'm saying the two to three strikes with that, like, hey, that's really inappropriate to say to your sister in arms. Yeah. And um, we're going to give you some, just some more examples of what is inappropriate and what is appropriate. Because we get people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds coming into the military. And a lot of times the leadership steps in as almost like a parent to them yeah. to teach them the right things. Mm-hmm. So um, I would also make it so that when a report is filed, no one in the chain of command knows. No one in that work center knows. Mm-hmm. It would be an outside entity handling the whole thing. Yeah. Right now we have uh, something called Sapper Victim Advocates. Sexual Assault Prevention and Response is the name of the program. Victim Advocates. Well, some of those people, I was a victim advocate for eight years. Um, some of those people take that responsibility very seriously and they do it right. There are a lot of other ones who take it because it looks good on their annual evaluation. Right. And they really shouldn't be. They are, they're the ones going out on the weekend telling their junior troop, I'm going to fuck you. I'm going to fuck you before this deployment's over. And they're a victim advocate. Wow. Yeah. So I would take that whole ball of the humans that, work with victims and make them someone not in the command find a way to do that there's got to be a way i mean we have we have civilians that that are instructors and stuff why can't we have civilians that do this i would also offer a more robust mental health program for the victims Mm -hmm. not just to go talk to this one psychologist that's on the base that really nobody likes and he's tired or she's tired you know, go talk to him three times and hopefully you're good. Oh yeah. And the three times you talk to him, it's three months apart because his, he's got so much, he or she has so much on their plate. They, they can only fit you in once every three months. Yeah. But we know that mental health uh, practitioners are few and far between, even in the civilian world. It's just as bad in the military. Um, what else would I do? I would... Okay, current thing, what they do right now is when a service member, and I spoke on this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. when a service member comes forward and they file either restricted or unrestricted, especially if it's unrestricted, meaning the name of the accused, the name of the, the victim, et cetera, and so forth. Currently what they do is they let the accused stay in the command and do their job yeah. and talk shit behind closed doors and they support the accused. And they take the victim and remove them from whatever source of, of um, support structure they thought they had yeah. and, and send them elsewhere. And then, they're, and then most unrestricted cases take up to a year of investigation. And the, and the victim is re-interviewed over and over and over again. I would make it so that the questions that they're asked only are in regards to that night. Yeah. Not, and only in regards to the sexual assault, not what were you wearing? Because it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Not the first question, man. Yeah. Not were you drinking? Mm -hmm. Not were you, you know, 
oh, you don't remember parts of it? Here's an idea, investigator, because right now NCIS does the investigations, and they do good with some things and some things they need some training on. They need more work. Victims of trauma, whether it's physical assault, sexual assault, childhood sexual molestation, they've, their brain blocks things out. Mm -hmm. So they'll come in and they'll, they'll say, this is what I remember happened. And then they're brought back in. They, they talk to the accused. The accused says, no, this isn't this. So they make some notes. They bring the victim back in again. Mm -hmm. And they say, um, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And then the victim's like, oh, no, I remember this. And they're like, wait a minute, that's a little bit different from what you said. Typically, it's not different. It's in addition to. Right. But they say, oh, but that's not what you said at first. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm remembering more now. Well, how come you can remember it now, but you didn't remember it then? Because of trauma. Right. Um, yeah. So I would get professionals to help come up with a plan on how to compassionately interview victims. Yeah. And the victims get interviewed one, maybe two times. Whereas the perpetrator browbeat the shit out of them. Yeah. Browbeat anyone that they, hey, these people were there. They, they might've saw something. Bring them in and say, look, if it comes back that you saw something and you didn't stop it, or you saw something and you're holding it, withholding it from us, because Hey, today we're in a day and age of electronics. People are getting caught on video doing shit. Mm -hmm. You know, if it comes back, hey, you did that. Guess what? You're out of the Navy too. If we find out you lied, so you better be, you better be honest now. You'll get immunity if you're honest now. On certain circumstances, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You'll be like, if you just come forward now, we understand you didn't feel comfortable then, but we need to know now to protect your sister. Yeah, um, or brother, because sexual assault is mm -hmm. happening to men. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there's a couple other things that I think that I'd try to implement. Um, I think it would be a good start to sit down with the senior enlisted member of each service. So ours is the MCPON and have an open forum of solely victims, active, reserve, retired, not in their military uniforms. Our military uniforms have our name. A lot of times they have right. where we're stationed, mm -hmm. identifiable things. No, let us come in, dress, I don't know, business casual and speak. Yeah. You know, and, and say, hey, this is the real deal, Nick Pond. This is really what's going on. This is my experiences. These are my experiences. Yeah. I want to talk for a minute about that whole, uh, the interrogation that victims yeah. go through because I went through that. I was raped at yeah. the age of 16. And yeah. the first question that the police asked me when my father finally dragged me in a year later and forced me to talk to them because I was terrified. Oh uh, yeah. Turns out for good reason. Uh, it was almost as traumatic as the experience itself. Called revictimization. Yeah. In some ways more. Um, yeah. Because like I said, the first question that they asked was what were you wearing? And after I explained what I was wearing, which was like, you know, it was the 90s. So I had a big old floppy sweater on and some velvet yeah. leggings. And they went, hmm, velvet leggings. Interesting. And then they asked me, what kind of underpants were you wearing? I'm like, okay, A, he couldn't see the underpants that I was wearing until he ripped my pants down. Uh, and and B, B, they were white cotton hands. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, none of that, none of that. None of matters. that matters. But 
when you're in that hot seat and they yeah. ask you that question, it puts you in this defensive position of feeling like now I have to explain myself. Now I have yeah. to defend myself. I, you know, just by asking that question, what were you doing? What it's were putting the blame you on wearing? You. Exactly. I suddenly feel like, oh, they think I'm responsible for this. Oh, well, and of and course, you start thinking, well, maybe like in the maybe I did provoke this. Maybe oh, absolutely. I, maybe and I didn't have, maybe my butt was shown a little bit. No, no, and no, that's no, the no. whole thing. <laughs> The, this is what, you know, my rapist right immediately afterwards starts in on the, oh, well, you understand you're very pretty uh, and you understand you can't talk about this to anyone. And you understand, it was like, he kept using that language of, well, you understand. And it, it does, it seeps yeah. into you and you start to think like, oh, what, maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe I was sending yeah. the wrong signals. Maybe I, you know, yeah. didn't say no appropriately or at the right time or, you know, it's like, yeah, all these things that go through your mind. And so and I that, wish I wasn't pretty. Right. Exactly. Right? You start to blame yourself pretty. for being yeah. attractive. Right. Right. And, uh, for, for a few years after that, I was anorexic. Uh, I didn't want to eat and I didn't want to be a woman anymore. I tried to get rid of my, oh, yeah. I tried to get rid of my hips, uh, because I felt like it was not safe to be an attractive female. Yeah. And, you know, women do all kinds of crazy things to, you know, they, they eat too much or they eat too little, or they, you know, dress this way, or they dress that way to try to fix Or they wear makeup the or they don't wear makeup. Right. Like me, I wear makeup now. See, mm -hmm. I got, I put makeup on you and I had this conversation. I was like, let me put my face on. You yeah. <laughs> For the majority of my career, I didn't wear makeup because I didn't need one more thing, mm -hmm. be, one more thing to attract the, the attention that I wasn't wanting. Right. You know, um, so yeah, you change your behavior to try to become almost invisible. Mm -hmm. And Just, guess what? Doesn't work. Still no, it doesn't, doesn't work. Nope. I got uh, I got sexually assaulted in a park uh, one morning when I was out running, no makeup. I you know, it's like not not looking so good. But I was wearing spandex running shorts, and believe me, the police made a huge deal about that. Next time, maybe wear sweatpants. That was their advice. You're like, that's so comfortable when you're running long distance. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's sure. super, super useful. Thank you. Um, can but we talk predator, about the guy who just grabbed my crotch? Uh, yeah. Like, out like, of the, but, like literally came out of the bushes and grabbed my crotch. Can we talk about that guy? Yeah. That yeah. I barely escaped and like had to hit with a log. <laughs> like, exactly. You might want to go looking for him. He's still out there. No, no, no. They want to talk to me about my uh, jogging wear. And, and, oh, yeah. and how I could uh, prevent this next time. I was like, and, and, you know, if that hadn't happened to me once before, it may not have occurred to me that like, oh, this is just what they do. This is like what yeah. they're trained to do. And again, yeah. I might've really taken that in, but instead I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not what we're supposed to be talking about right now. If I was running by in a bikini, it still right. doesn't give him the right to jump out and touch my body without my permission. That's that right. simple. Yeah. I could be running naked. Okay. Yeah. I could be jumping up and down, making my boobies fly in my face. Right. It doesn't yeah. fucking matter because he still doesn't get to touch my body. It's exactly. mine. I am sovereign. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's. There's so much, you know, especially we've been talking a lot lately about, you know, the police and police brutality and, and how police interact with, with victims. And yeah. 
you know, a, a gun is not always the best thing to bring into a situation, right? Right. And I think, you know, when you have a hammer, everything becomes a nail. And so there is this sense yeah. of when you're talking to a victim, you need to kind of find blame. You know, yes. you have to find someone to blame. And because they're, they are paid by <laughs> the people in power, the people in power are the people who they're going to defend. Yes. And so the most powerful person in the situation is kind of presumed to be the, the innocent party yeah. and the party that needs protecting. And just so I think, yeah, go ahead. Bird, bird, come here. She just woke up. And I need my morning <laughs> hug. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on, you hug. Oh, my baby. My bird. Your shirt's on backwards again. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Okay. We're okay. Good. So let's talk about how did this experience change you? All these experiences. Are we talking yeah. about the experience of me just coming forward now, or are we talking about just throughout my career? Let's let's talk about specifically uh, the, the the moment where you recognize I need to come forward about this. I need to talk about this. Uh, how does yeah. that how does that moment change you? Um, in a positive way, and also in a way that hurts. Yeah. The positive way is realizing. The Navy doesn't fucking own me anymore. Mm -hmm. And the people that I served with, they can believe me, support me and love me, or they can kick sand. So there's that, the positive part where it's like, I got my power back. Then there's the part that hurts. Yeah. The, the reflection on, you know, the woulda, shoulda, coulda that we all do. Oh Yeah. I was in a position of leadership as I was a chief petty officer for 11 years. That's, that's half my career. I was in a position where I could have made a noticeable difference. I believe if I had just spoken up, even if, even if it wasn't me like filing reports, but like pulling my female troops aside and saying, Hey, I just want you guys to know some of the things I've experienced and continue to experience. Everybody handles it differently. Don't let anyone shame you into not reporting. Mm -hmm. here's, some, here's some coping mechanisms that I used. And here's some things that I did. And I, di I didn't take the time to do that. I did a little bit here and there with um, some of the victims. As I, when I was a victim advocate, I would tell them, I've been where you are. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've experienced this. I'm not going to go into detail because I know that you're very raw and you're hurting right now, but I want you to know I've been there and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. That's yeah. why I'm your advocate. Um, so, so it was like, a, it's a double-sided sword. Yeah. It's also got me talking to my husband. As I said before, my husband and I have been together for 18 years and we've been married for 14 and we have two children. I never talked to my husband about any of this. Yeah. And we served together in more than one unit. And I never talked to him about it, but I'm giving it to him in little pieces. Yeah. Because I think that if I were to tell him everything, it's a it lot. Would yeah. I mean, just, just telling him about the date rape when I was drugged and letting him know who, who that was. It was a mutual friend that yeah. we're still friends with to this day. Let me throw it out there. We're still friends with to this day. I hold nothing against this man. This man was barely a man when he did what he did. Mm-hmm. When I told him that, 
I didn't know if my husband was going to throw up, cry or drive to where this person lives and beat him. Right. And I was like, babe, this was 17 years ago. It was shortly after you and I first started dating. It was, you know, yeah. we've moved on. He's got a good life now. I've seen how he is with his, he's got, he's got two daughters. <laughs> I'm like, um, I see he was young and he was dumb and he made a poor decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's move on past that. There are repeat offenders and there are some people that are kind of like either pressured into something or they see something or hear about something. They're like, well, I'm going to try that. And then after they do it, they feel like shit. And they're like, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't the right thing to do. You know? So I don't believe once a, once an assaulter, always an assaulter. I don't believe once a, a rapist, always a rapist, because some people don't even realize what they're doing is rape because right. of the way they were raised. And Just like some women don't I mean, realize they've been raped. Yeah. I, I completely agree that there needs to be a consequence because consequences yeah. are how we yeah. learn. Right. Exactly. But I also worry about, you know, putting people on like the, the national sex offender registry. That's something <laughs> they never get off of, you know, for example. Right. And so I feel like there, we could really do a better job of figuring out restorative justice models of trying yeah. to teach these people, this is not okay. Look at what you've done to this person. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how you've harmed them and, yeah. you know, see, see if we can uh, find a way to, to help people do better yes. and make better choices. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think is the main, uh, we, you know, we've, we've kind of covered this, but I just like to put this out there as the last question. Okay. What is the main message or takeaway from all of this? Oh, there's a few. Mm -hmm. um, the primary one being that sexual assault, sexual harassment and rape, happens in the military and it happens rampantly. Yes. Rampantly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the primary one. Absolutely. The systems in place currently in place are not effective. They're better than they were 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but they're not, as, they're not as effective as they could be. Yeah. And they, and they need to be examined and fixed and you need victims to help with that. It's somebody who's never experienced it and has never been interviewed by NCIS or never been, in that position, is it really going to understand? Is it going to be able to bring to the table these? This is what I felt when this was happening. Is there another way we could go about doing it? So there's that, and then bystander intervention. We mm -hmm. kind of talked about it a smidgen, but not really. If one person speaks up and people jump down their throat, I can see how it would scare the people. But if this one stands up and this one has their back and that one has their back and that one has their back, you know, like in the same amount that the offender has people have their back, yeah. how about let's stand up and say, Hey, that, that shouldn't have happened. Hey, that's, yeah. Hey, you're wrong. Get off of her. No, she's drunk. You're not bringing her home. I'm going to make sure she goes home and I'm going to make sure she's protected until she's awake and sober. Yeah. Um, and that goes male and female. So the bystander intervention, we're stronger when we're together when we stick together. So this is one of the things I think there should be, and it, some people would be like, why would you be rewarded for doing the right thing? Cause sometimes doing the right thing is, is difficult yeah. because if you do the right thing, you could have all this other stuff come down on you for doing the right thing. So Absolutely. I think that there should be like a reward system for people that take care of their troops. 
Absolutely. I also want to say, you know, I hear that so strongly, that shoulda, woulda, coulda feeling. And I want you to really have self-compassion and recognize that you did the best you could in the situation that you were in. You did not have a lot of options and you did not have a lot of backup. So, you know, you had to, you had to survive. (laughs) Right. You know, I I try not to beat myself up too Mm -hmm. much, but I do self-reflection. I think the only one of the best ways to grow is self-reflection. I am not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not the same person I was 22 years ago when I joined the Navy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for this opportunity. As you said, um, you are the only April Joy brand on Facebook. And so people can find you there. Is there yes. anywhere else uh, that you'd like people to go to try to find you? Uh, nowhere that I use actively. Like I have okay. Instagram, same name. And I have like Snap, same name. You know, but I don't, I'm not really in those. I'm, okay. I, I haven't checked my Instagram in probably like four months. But Facebook, that, that's where they can go. So I, part of me, I'm hoping that there are women that reach out. And the other yeah. part is like, I hope, the, I hope the guys with the dick pics don't. So Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You can always block people. I'd be like, I'd be like <laughs> you didn't really watch that, did you? Did you? Because what you're doing right now is exactly what we were talking about. You shouldn't do, you know? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you'd like everyone to know before we wrap up? No, nothing I can think of right now. Just, right. Uh, I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to speak not only my truth and reality, but to be a voice for those that don't feel as though they can. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're amazing. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode inspiring or at least entertaining. Please subscribe and tell all of your friends to subscribe and, you know, like me and rate me and say nice things about me on social media. All that stuff really matters and it costs you zero dollars. And speaking of things that cost zero dollars, I give out 20 minute consultations for free for new clients. So listen, if you've got a story you're not telling, a brand that's in need of an authentic voice or a brand voice that's in need of great content and an audience to enjoy it, I would love to help you out. Head on over to my website, thatsallowed.com, to find out more. Are you ready to make your voice heard? Good, because that's a 